for someone that has been abused as a child, there is a, an extensive amount of boundaries that have been crossed and, and that actually um, psychologically impacts the brain. It's, it actually, um, you know, in a neuroscience kind of perspective, it actually damages the brain cells. So there's, when you grow up, you, you actually, there's extra learning and extra practice required to understand what boundaries are. Holding my head again, making my way through crowded thoughts. Sometimes it's hard to get out of it. Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Please Blow My Mind with me, Will Fleming. I want to thank you for joining me for another week, whether you're a week-by-week listener, a first-time listener, or a return listener, wherever we go, I'm just thankful that uh, you choose to pop in, because let's be fair that there's plenty of options for things to do in today's world, and I think that's awesome, but it's a challenge as well, right? Like, it's a bit overwhelming, something like 80 million podcasts out there and I think it's a nice metaphor that uh, variety doesn't seem to be the challenge in fact that seems to be the hindrance in some ways and I guess this podcast for me in general and in this episode is is me continuing that exploration into kind of can we zone in a bit deeper can we target in on some areas of meaning that can, you know, I guess uh, um, scale and contract as as necessary. That's kind of one of the things that I think we forget. It's like, yep, you can talk in broad strokes, but there goes the nuance. And then you can talk in nuance, and how do you scale that? And I'm kind of one of those people that's, I guess, looking for one of like a way maybe or or trying to rediscover the ways our ancestors dealt with these kind of things how did you and how do you give up that power and that responsibility and and keep the right level of it so it gets deep pretty quick but I have some amazing guests along the journey to voyage forward with me into that unknown space and one of those guests joins me today Tamara War, who's the co-founder of Empower Me. Now, I want to be very careful not to, um, I guess, uh, try and... (laughs) What do I want to say? I want to be very careful that I don't intro my guest this week as if I have a good grasp over the amazing work that they do. But let me read from their bio on the at NZ Empower Me page delivering self-discovery programs to create lasting transformational growth for women recovering from sexual trauma. And look, I'll be honest, it's not that topic. Well, it's a topic that I wasn't sure how to kind of approach. And and in fact, I, in my research on Tamara, I had seen people going straight to that topic of sexual trauma. And I guess I didn't really want to, not because I don't think... Uh, it's an interesting topic and it certainly is but more for the fact that I think we're too quick in this world to go straight to that I think it's one of those things you should earn to talk about or talk about it if it's appropriate I mean just because Tamara is an expert in that field in terms of her learning does not mean that 
that's something to talk about. There's plenty of other things to talk about. And actually, we have a wide-ranging conversation in this podcast about plenty of things. And one of them is sexual trauma, but the other is this kind of human study. And, and we reach some pretty awesome places. So there we go. I think I'm keen to let everyone get into this episode of Please Blow My Mind. And tomorrow, thanks for joining me and just going on that journey and I look forward to well let's just get into it Tamara thank you again and thank you to the audience Um, I say it every week you blow my mind and this week is definitely no exception so I hope you enjoy this podcast too hard pick it up dust it off when i fall down 11 i get up 12 don't need nobody else yeah i can save myself tomorrow thanks for joining me uh on the podcast we've kind of been in touch with we have a mutual friend do we dr paul wood yeah Awesome. Awesome. Isn't it weird how this, there there is, um, I guess, benefits to the algorithm in some ways, you know, Uh, there's this kind of almost demonistic algorithm, which makes us try and stay on a screen, but every now and then rises above and you realize that it actually connects you in some ways too, which is, which is pretty cool. Um, Hey, I just went on your Instagram page and I saw one of the posts that you'd shared around I'll just try and do this for the audio listeners. So there's uh, matches, right? And there's like burnt matches. And and I think it's a match slightly down. And it's the message I took away is it's like pulling away a little bit. Um, is that a tension that you kind of, like we all try and work out? I think what I read in the message that you had wrote with it is, is an email, got a bit triggered. <laughs> You know, it's something that we can all relate to. Um, how do you how do you deal with that? Are, like, are you an expert at that? Can you help me with that? <laughs> <laughs> um, the post, yeah, the image actually says the power of stepping away, and the image of the the images itself is very powerful. Mm. Um, you know, and it says burnt matches, and then the first one that's pulled away stops the fire going. Right, mm. so it's about you know, kind of just keeping you know what's it called, um, putting the fire out by stepping yeah. away. And the message in it, um, usually when I do um, my posts on Instagram, especially my, you know, my kind of personal one, mm. um, I'm trying to get a message across around um, emotional intelligence or, or behavior change or self-awareness or something to do with, you know, like how we can kind of connect more into us. Yeah. And, um, and so that, that um, post, yeah, it was about just noticing when, when you are heightened or you are elevated mm. um, and, and you, are, when you are triggered because, um, uh, you know, a big part of healing our triggers is actually noticing that we are triggered. Yeah. And a lot of us, you know, even just sparked by by an email, mm. continue on in this kind of elevated space where we're not um, responding as we would if we were in our, in our calm space, you know, mm. if we were, you know, like um, 
when you're when you're triggered, you're kind of in fight or flight mode and you're reacting from your amygdala and you're reacting from all of the things that you're feeling in your body and all of the things that you know are going around in your mind. So when when we react from that space is very different to how we would respond if we say at the end of the night when we were very relaxed and we we're just about to go to bed. It'd be a really different reaction, wouldn't it? Yeah. So so yeah, it's, it was just kind of touching on that point. And that's, you know, one of the activities that we teach in our Empower Me program. Wow. So yeah, that's just tying awesome. it all together. I just like to spend time with guests kind of not not assuming that everyone is even aware. Like I think we've disguised modern society that those things wouldn't really exist anymore, you know, and it kind of is really mind blowing uh, to think about that. We have these systems in our body and mind. And I was trying to think like, at what point did we forget? At what point did we forget that uh, you have to kind of actively control them or influence them or they control you? You know, it's a really, um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. What's your sense? Do you think people are, kind of aware like you said that we've got these internal kind of mechanics that you can be elevated and calm and I think most of us think you just that's on auto system right yeah I think that's definitely the majority but I think a lot more people are waking up to this idea that um you know that we that we are um amazing kind of machines that have all these different aspects to our Mm. to our makeup and you know and a lot more people are are waking up to tuning back in Mm. i'd say tuning back in is an awesome term maybe i'll call the episode tuning back in because (laughs) like yeah and and one of the things i think is challenging to wrap your head around and i kind of speak just personally is You'd love to catch yourself when you need to catch yourself, but it's almost like the exact moment where you need to grab it. Uh, that's when everything disappears, you know, and I'm maybe talk as a bit of a parent at times or someone who should be, you know, a patient husband. And it's like almost your third person and you can see these things happening. Um, I can't believe you didn't tidy your room, all those type of things. And then you sit back and you're like, man, what happened to the deal that I just made myself that it was like love's enough you know? Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, change, change is a journey, you know, change in itself is a journey and, and it sounds, sounds like, you know, that that's, that's a step in the journey. First of all, it's um, with behavior change, it's, it's actually seeing, seeing a need for change and then it's getting ready to, you know, prepare yourself for that change. Mm. Then it's actually noticing or being aware of the habits that you have. And that isn't the instant that you suddenly change them. There's a Mm. period of being aware of how you behave and how you deal with things before there's the instance of, I'm about to behave like I used to, but I am not going to. I'm going to try something different now. So there's, you know, there's different levels and different stages of of change. We can't change just like that and yeah. that be like that forever. It's a it's a journey. It's a slow process. Absolutely. But we want it to be fast, don't we? You know, we want results. Yes. It's like uh, we want everything to be fast these days. Like, like that iPhone, you know, it's like it has to be the latest one, but faster and it seems so archaic. That's the thing. We, 
like today think we're so much more switched on. If we're the iPhone 13 today compared to our you know ancestors, we think we're so much more switched on yet. Like all we are, if it's an analogy to a phone is a phone, you know, and it's mm. like not good on a rainy day or not good in, you know, a storm. And yeah, um, Tamara, I had a question for you and I'll just give it a go how we go, you know, because obviously this is less of an interview, more of a chat. But when I kind of yeah, sure. did a wee Google and watched a couple things of you online, I saw everyone jumping to like talking about your private life pretty rapidly. And I was like, wow, what's that like? What's it like to have to kind of be open, you know, because there's a certain amount of anonymity I have with being the host of the podcast um, where I don't really choose to share some things, but straight to the heart of like, can you tell us about that? What was that like? So maybe my question is to, we'll leave Google to people can Google you or talk to you directly (laughs) and earn their way to ask a few more personal details. But what would your, uh, um, what's the opposite to personal, uh, professional background, you know, what's your professional (laughs) background that we can, um, maybe if you wouldn't mind just kind of letting us an insight there, and then we can explore some areas, you know, that you've spent a long time gaining knowledge in. Yeah, sure. Um, where to start though it's such a <laughs> it's such a it's such a journey it's such a so many that. things <laughs> yeah um i guess as a little summary or overview um I, as a child i was a child actress and mm. and i worked in and then teenager i was a, in film and tv and um and i did a degree in in film and television production management and first assistant directing um and and traveled doing that um and and then kind of moved from film into events and so um did some some big events and some festivals and um and then uh when a very big personal explosion happened i i shifted my my whole focus and i shifted my whole being um, into into a, another sort of direction, and I started um, the happiness experiments. So I started a, a social enterprise, and uh, moved into that kind of entrepreneurial space, and and then worked in mental health. Um, um, yeah, in kind of the lived experience, consumer led um, movement in space, and. Um, yeah, and then and sort of worked in um, advisory groups, so within mental health, yep. and and then have moved into the sexual violence sector. Um, done some project management in IT. Um, yeah, so That's awesome, <laughs> varying stuff. Yeah, no, I love that. Thank you for um, opening that window. You know, it's sometimes what the bios don't tell us, right? And I mean, I guess I tried my hardest to, well, it's a journey of hope for me in some ways to, to, well, to hope that we're more similar than different, you know, and that if you look at it really laid out that most of us will be on some type of journey, whether we admit it to ourselves or not. It's just that this destination just is rampant, isn't it, in our society where you have to like, um, I'm this and I'm awesome at this. And if you, I've got a whole team around me 
to <laughs> let you know that if there's one hole that you find, there's no hole there. And it's like, well, come on. We know that everyone's got these ups and downs and and that we kind yeah. of, um, I guess we need that from each other. We need that. I don't know. I was trying to think, and I don't know if it's a good way to explain humanity or society, but I've thought I've started thinking about us as a uh, like an immune system, you know, that we're by default trying to be ready for the unknown at all costs. And that's just this <laughs> chaos. What did I see a video yesterday where our immune system is like with all the areas that can look for danger, it can do it like 10 billion ways. And that's all sitting within us, you know, and it's yeah. crazy. Eh? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And it's all dependent, you know, um, a lot of that, um, you know, the contributors are, you know, all the way back from the womb or, or the past lives, you mm. know, like how you, how you um, see the world and and how, and what your perception is of certain events or even your everyday life, you know, is a lot of it is based on your belief systems that you've that you've kind of inherited as as a, a baby or a child. You know, we we learn most of our beliefs between the age of well between zero and eight, and and then we we kind of get to thirty and start looking at those beliefs and start questioning them and start dissecting them and and then start kind of creating our own if we're aware yeah <laughs> if we're aware yeah it'd be yeah. it's uh well maybe that's what i i think one of the underlying things i i think people like about podcasting or long form chat is exactly what long form chat must have been historically as well you know you're around a campfire or you're in a bunker somewhere or it's nasty somewhere and it's like we've got to start talking what the heck is going on. And, and I think that's what reveals itself for me. You know, it's like, well, when you talk about life, we can get very surface level. And then there's this whole other conversation about meaning. And I mean, have you kind of like been down the pondering thoughts about maybe where I am at the moment where I'm like, what's, what's religion about? You know, why are we so fast? I was, I was, like I live next to a church and I was thinking, you know, 50 years ago, that would have been an essential service and it would have been open and people would have been there doing their connection with whatever that is. But now there's just closed mm. buildings and I, I don't know what to make of it because we think mm. of essential services like, you know, food to the door and it is, but what about the food to the soul or whatever, you know? Who's... What about the connection, you know? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with, with um, most of the people that I've worked with, and I kind of left that out of my professional bio, but um, I, I work one-to-one -one with people. I've worked in community um, and and I've designed programs. Um, and a, a lot of the people that I've worked with over the years, the one thing that is missing is is the spirituality or the wairua or their right. connection to self. Yes. And, and I think that is commonly what is, is lacking and in, in the world mm. yeah yeah it's hard to grapple with isn't it because i mean it's not really for me to make a case for that you know in fact it freaks me out when i think about well what does it mean when you really outsource your you know well-being but i mean we do i just was more freaked out when i kind of realized that you probably do it anyway you know like the god of climate change can influence you you know or the God of kindness, you know? And it's like, well, yeah, 
maybe what makes you think you're kind, you know, it's like one of those predicaments, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, a lot of the time when we talk about well-being, it's it's what everyone else tells mm-hmm. us that well-being is. And it's, you know, these, you know, the five ways to well-being that the Mental Health Foundation puts out, or mm-hmm. it's what we're told, you know, in, in health class in school, or um, it's what, you know, the ads on TV or whatever you're listening to or watching. Um, and so, you know, there's there's a there's a guideline of what we think it should be, but with um, you know, wider or spirituality, it's it's really about listening to listening in and and figuring out what that well being is for you, mm. and and that's kind of the difference. You know, we can have these very generalized views on on what well being is and what all the studies and the data and the evidence tells us what is well being. Uh, based on what what helps people, you know, I did a psychiatric rehabilita- rehabilitation paper mm. at uni, and um, and it's you know it's the the one thing that um, we're taught is was self determination for somebody to um, rehabilitate from um, psychosis or from you know major mental health challenges. Um, the the one thing that that is, works the best and the quickest and the easiest is actually asking the person what it is they want. What do they believe in? What do they um, yearn for? What do, what's, what's their, what drives them? What excites them? Um, and, and when we can focus on those things, um, we tend to find that um, other negative kind of symptoms kind of just dissolve or crumble away or they kind of go to the background. And that's really, you know, what positive psychology is about as well. Positive oh, psychotherapy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's um, what, kind of in that area? You know, we talk about. Well, you know, everyone talks about depression, anxiety, and all of these kind of things. That it's almost like you can hold it, but really, if someone was to ask you, "What is it?" It's like it disappears into a magic trick, or. Or worse, like a, a horror movie, right? Where you can't quite see the enemy when you need to have a good look yeah. at it. But yeah, um, but I thought about it. Maybe it's doing exactly what it needs to do. It's telling you something's wrong, and it's working perfectly. Your anxiety is telling you something's wrong, and it just is worse and worse the more you don't look at it. You know? And now, empower me program. It's you know, it's um. It's, it's for survivors of, of sexual trauma, right? And part of it um, is the Empower Me teachings. And, you know, we, have, we, we as facilitators, we deliver these activities that are tools in um, understanding self more and regulating emotion and um, understanding values and, and then sort of moving into... Um, behavior change and and um, future self and all those sorts of things. But um, the other really big part of it that we're finding is is pretty much invaluable is our mentoring sessions, which we do for an hour on about two days later after the the session. And these are just incredibly rich and in shared experiences. And when we're talking about a group of women that have experienced you know trauma like this um what i realized just the other day is that when we go to a therapist and i you know i i 
credit the the therapeutic um, kind of environment because it's just taught me so much. But essentially, a lot of the time, we're going to a private address or somewhere where it's kind of unseen and we don't really tell people where we're going and we go into this quiet room where no one knows that we're there and we don't kind of want to see anybody else that's in a waiting room or whatever and we're talking to a professional that there is a hierarchical kind of power um, imbalance there right and so there is um, quite a lot of time spent um, connecting and trusting and um, to, to be able to get to the actual work, right? And I've found that in our Empower Me sessions, and there's a groups of 10 women, um, all different ages, all different diverse demographics and backgrounds and, you know, different traumas, um, they all share so many similar um, behaviors and behavior patterns that have come from those traumas. Um, and so they have a lot of the same fears in the world. And by taking out that, um, you know, they're in their own home because it's on Zoom. So they're, they're already in a very kind of safe space. Um, they've been working with the same woman for a number of weeks. So they're already familiar with them. Um, and they already know that each one in this group has experienced a, a similar trauma. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's just incredible how, how a piece of sharing um, or a storytelling of this is what I was like when I was a kid. And, you know, every therapist said that was, that was behavior that was expected from a trauma like this. Um, that's one thing. That makes you feel good. But when you're sitting in a room full of women that have had the same behavior and you go, oh, my gosh, I was like that too. Oh, my gosh. You know, I, you know, for example, um, just to kind of give you an insight into it, um, we, ha we had uh, one participant um, share that, you know, as, as a small child, six or seven, eight years old, was very sexualized, very sexual towards other children and et cetera. And, I shared that, you know, in my 20s, I was very promiscuous and, you know, I had the same thing. And then another woman said I was the same. And it's just a, a massive lift of shame that you don't even know that you're carrying just from that kind of shared experience. It's like, oh, oh okay, because I kind of look back at those days myself and think, oh, gosh, that was just such terrible behavior. And I, that's not the person that I want to be. Mm. So I look at. I look back at it with, you know, this shame, but this 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 session that we had and 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 sharing that each each of the other women had, you know, had the same kind of behaviour. Um, yeah, it just really made me feel that I wasn't alone and that I I you know that behaviour. Um, although you know, um, doctors have said, oh, that's you know a normal pattern of behaviour. When when there's other people that are saying, I was like that too. It just removes that shame aspect. And so that's that's a piece of empower me that we're finding is incredibly, incredibly valuable and inc incredibly powerful. But um 
I'm not sure if I got off topic. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's definitely on topic because, you know, we, I guess that this, you know, the, the, well, we'll arrive where we arrive together, you know, and I kind of think that's a challenge um, in real time as it is in a real conversation. And, and maybe that's like a good example for people listening or watching a small clip of this where it's like in those sessions, you got to kind of weirdly rely on each other. You know, and I know that's kumbaya talk, but it's not really, eh? Like, mm -hmm. you don't know what I'm going to say next, and I don't know what you're going to say next, but we're <laughs> in the same kind of arena, you know? And we're trying yeah. to hold each other up, and I think that it must perform a deep um, cleans, if you like, inside, you know, in the mind and all of that, because we're we're actually using this, um, well, this immediacy, you know? Like, the tension I have with modern life, too, is, we talk about mindfulness a lot and all those things. And I'm like, yeah, but what do you mean? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, what does I, that mean to me? Yeah. Yeah. How do, how do I, how do I relate that to mm. me? And how can I get it? How can I get it without the thought mm. of um, not being on a silent retreat or I don't have access yeah. to a beautiful waterfall every day, but maybe yep. if I rely back on the challenge of having a deep conversation, you know, which requires someone else to meet you halfway. Um, what, you know, I'm hoping some of that's where some of the science will show us that kind of power, you know, which is absolutely what you're, 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 you're talking about, which is awesome. Yeah, no, it is. And, and for, for you, you know, this, one of the, one of the other things that we talk about is the state of flow and, and that being in a state of flow for you, mm. you know, might might be this connecting with people in your podcast, and 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 it really is a, a space where you can connect with yourself on a deep level and share that, and it just flows. Mm. And and so again, I go back to you know this um, kind of um, external. Um, level of what well-being is you know and, and how we put out that this is what well-being is and this is how you do mindfulness and this is how you meditate etc cetera, etc cetera. but it's actually that's that's a a westernized you know meltdown of of these hugely um like um how can i explain it etheric and and historical ancient practices and so <laughs> you have to really take it with a grain of salt i mean <laughs> the the ideals of it and the concept of it absolutely mm. you know they're they're pretty they're pretty easy to get as you say but relating it to you to now to your environment to how you how you behave how you respond and and how you walk in the world is something entirely different and that's that's a that's purely a journey journey for you yeah. And, you know, when you say mindfulness, how do I do it? It's it's funny because, you know, mindfulness comes in so many different ways. And, you know, we're, we're kind of told and we're, you know, we keep getting all these images and stories of, of how to do mindfulness. And, you know, kids are taught in school and things like that. And that's a wonderful introduction. But. Um, to the concept mm. but essentially you've got to find your own journey with that I remember when I first started meditating and <laughs> like <laughs> it's been a love a love hate journey you know <laughs> for 10 years and you know it's it's I meditate very differently to anybody else that I know mm. you know I I like to 
to do. I started off with the mindfulness meditation, but but when I have when I had got to that kind of grounded state and understood um, my own dissociation and and the the con- consistency of it and how I kind of needed to be more in the world when I had kind of got back in the world, I then you know um, started really. Um, being interested in transcendental meditation and astral traveling and things like that. And, and that's, that's another thing different altogether. So it's kind of, it's really up to the person and Mm -hmm. how, and how it feels for them. And that's where they need to kind of be guided to go or that's where they should follow as, as where it feels good. But it's that connection to self. Yeah. That's where, that's where the big disconnect is, is that people, they don't know how how and what feels good for them when it comes to well-being. They don't know how to get to the feeling, how to tap in with how they're feeling. Mm. So, um, you know, that's that's something that takes the time. You know, it's kind of like how you said before, your, your behavior change of, you know, I can see that I'm reacting this way. Why am I not changing this? That's part of the process. You know, it's just part of the process for the slow kind of neural pathway switch into the change. It's the same with with anything. Do you um do you hope to arrive somewhere, or is the journey the journey where it's a journey right to the end? Like, I guess you know, quite esoterical questions, but but who cares, right? Like, the rest of the world's talking logic and this stuff, and I think we are too. Actually, I think it's a very logical. Uh, and very straightforward discussion, but it's just the topics I sometimes want to go down. It, you know, go for it. I'm going. I'll go there with you. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Like, um, I guess one of the areas that I've been trying to get my head around for 300 conversations is I, I had this broad idea that potentially, hmm, how do I say this? Because I don't wish to say it wrong. Maybe I will inevitably, but um, that if you can use life's traumas, it becomes a fuel, you know? And Yeah, well, Dr. Paul Wood talks about post-traumatic growth, right? Mm -hmm. So that's exactly, that's exactly it, you know? Mm -hmm. I I had someone, I was um, meeting with somebody to um, chat about where they're at and they wanted to ask me some, you know, some advice on, on my journey. And and they kind of said, you know, I want to be where you are. I want, I want to be able to love life again, and I want, I want to feel the freedom of, of me. Mm. And, and um, and that's the thing, you know. It's like it feels really hard in in that moment or in those years that you're kind of, you know, whatever you want to call it, recovering or rehabilitating or healing. Um, whatever you want to call it. But essentially, like you said, it's it's part of your journey. That's mm-hmm. all part of your journey. And each and every step has massive lessons in it that sometimes we don't even realize until five years down the track and we look back at, you know, that horrific kind of in bed for three months kind of moment and go, oh, my gosh, I now get what that was trying to teach me. I now understand why I needed to rest, why I needed to be still. Yeah. It's um yeah, it feels really good for me to be in a space where I can look back at all my 
traumas or yeah, yeah. you know moments and 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 feel really deeply that that was that was part of my journey and mm. and that I'm grateful that they happened although you know not so yeah, yeah. great at the time and obviously a lot of healing work done from that but now I I I know it's you know it's like a much larger kind of piece of um consciousness of understanding and knowing that that was all part of my path and all part of my journey here to get me to this moment where I can now teach and hold space for others that are experiencing mm. the same thing. Wow. That's, um, I, know what to, I don't know what to say. I want to say that's like kind of awesome, but it's not because it would be more better to not have to go through that. Right. And I guess <laughs> yeah. it's that's that tension eh, of what's the level of, uh, what, how do we live a meaningful life with a, a, a correct amount of trauma, you know, or maybe yeah. stress is the better word. I think yeah, there's hey, something yeah. around trauma, around control, you know, and I, yeah. I, I, I that's where it's, I want to untangle yeah. that a bit. I feel like uh, I really understand what you mean when you say, oh, I feel like I want to say it's awesome, but it's actually not awesome. And I feel the same way. And I feel, this is probably the first time I've actually explained that in a, and I guess it's, you know, going to be public soon, public space is, is, you know, being grateful for all those kind of horrific events that have happened because, you know, I wouldn't wish it upon anybody else. And I don't, you know, I, I, I w- wouldn't um, want anyone <laughs> to have to experience those yeah. things to get to where I am. But at the same time, I am a really grateful person. That's that's, mm. and I I am very I'm optimistic driven, and I always look for um, silver linings, and I'm always looking for lessons, and I'm constantly reflecting back and and finding the gold nuggets and and the negative, and um, and that makes it the journey. You know, it makes me present to mm. this moment. It makes me grateful to be here. It makes me so grateful to be here where I am now in this in this world that that I've created um, from from the depth of my being that I want to be living in. Yeah. Well, I think it's also um, it's something I really listen closely when Paul talks as well because I kind of increasingly feel that we're being told not told but encouraged on ways to live from people like me who haven't really dealt with like I've dealt with things and we've, I've dealt with some pretty horrific things, but not like it's been, I don't know, like a, it's been fair, you know, and, and this is pretty brutal in some ways, but we had a baby that didn't survive, but it's kind of like, it's brutal, but too brutal to be like, it wasn't anyone's fault. It was mm. life just, put together wrong you know whereas if you look at kind of when we say trauma it's like someone taking you know and i i don't know maybe it's i haven't quite thought through that deeply enough but um yeah we 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 hear the word trauma kind of flung around a bit mm. especially at the moment it's becoming more more of a buzzword but yeah, yeah and then we and then we, then we talk about you know different levels of trauma mm. and you know, sometimes when someone says trauma, we we think, oh, that must be a horrific event. You know, like being stuck in a fire or being abused as a child or um, 
you know, you know, big massive events. But actually, trauma is not is only half about what the event was. You know, the other half is actually how how we how we dealt with it or how we felt felt inside um, because of that event. And losing a a child or a baby that's 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 traumatic. Yeah, no, I mean, I yeah, I probably don't think about it enough because we've got you know kids and we're trying to make sense of the world in real time. Um, mm. But every now and then we will sit back, Monica and I, and you know have a. She probably less than I, but I, I, I like. Well, I know that actually I'll get PTSD if I don't let it in. You know, I've mm. seen those TED talks, which talks about you can't keep blocking it out because it will become mm-hmm. more. Um, mm-hmm. So I try and encourage us to, you know, think about it when we need to think about it because it's probably the reason it is a thought to be thought about. Absolutely. Um, and I guess one of the things though that I realized really early during that is I don't, I never have to really imagine it. You know, I think that was a tough bit for family and friends and maybe an area where I think it's, um, it can be traumatic for family and friends because their whole pattern is, as far as I've observed, is what would I do in that scenario? And it's brutal in their mind, you know, because they don't know how hard it could be. Whereas if you're the person you do, you know, and it's yes. like you could put it to bed a bit earlier, then, yes. you know, I was trying to think what's it like from my mom's perspective. She can think, oh my gosh, I'm a grandmother. I'm supposed to see all of the kids, kids, kids you know, mm. live long, healthy lives, that type of stuff. So it's, um, yeah, it's like, um, yeah, it's, it's, there is a saying, I can't quite get it in my head right now, but it's, it's something about, um, not wishing to, it's the opposite of walk a mile in someone else's shoes. It's mm. like, you wouldn't want to, because you you know, your own, you know, your own well. Mm. Um, I actually, um, the friend I went for a walk with this morning, she, um, she said, uh, that she, um, can't imagine how other people that, that have experienced these traumas, she just can't imagine what it must like be like to, to live every day with all of these anxieties and things going on for them. And, and I said to her, you know, sometimes I, I I wonder what it's like for you to live with your anxieties and and all of the thoughts and things that go on for you. Um, but the beauty of that is, is is that you know, kind of that thought means that we're being compassionate to somebody, and we won't ever know what it's like to live in their in their mind and in their bodies and in their souls. Um, but that's, you know, to look at ourselves and know that what we've got, we are we are managing it and we're dealing with it and we can we can always kind of progress on. Um you know, you don't you yeah, you you kind of like, oh, I really wish I, I could remember that that quote that's coming to me, but it is, you know, it's something like I, I wouldn't wish to live in I wouldn't wish to live somebody else's life even you know, even though mine has been considerably worse or yeah. supposedly worse, I would still want to 
live my own again. Mm, I like that you can't remember the exact quote because it's better than we're <laughs> in a quote-driven society, you know, and the idea <laughs> yeah. that well, I know what you mean is kind of cool. Like uh, there's not enough I know what you means anymore, you know. It's like tell me exactly <laughs> yeah. what you mean and uh, don't you leave anything out or I'll pick holes in it. I know exactly what you mean. Um, Oh, thank you. That's so true. No, because like (laughs) it's, it's almost like, you know, we want that big moment and, uh, to, are you sure, are you sure you want to let the gates open? You know, (laughs) maybe that's why, you know, I was thinking about my, my dad and, He's kind of 70 something. He's my mum's from the Cook Islands, dad's Kiwi, you know, so that European kind of everything society's got a problem with at the moment. But I sometimes admire how he can just, nah, not letting it in, you know, and I can feel myself saying, you know what, dad, that's appropriate sometimes. I'm Mm -hmm. such an emotional being that it's good for me to slam that door sometimes because not everything's got to get past the gate. And it's a skill, you know, being being an empathic or sensitive or, you know, tapped in to energies individual like yourself and me. It's it's a skill to to shut it off, you know. And we have to be disciplined with ourselves and and we have to choose very wisely about what we watch, what we listen to, you know, what are the words that are coming into our head repeatedly is that is it the news? Is it some TV show that's actually pretty um, discriminatory? Or is it, you know, we just we just don't think about those things. We just watch. And then all of a sudden it's coming in quite consistently and we're adapting to that kind of language and that behavior and that way of being. Yeah. Go your dad. Go your dad. Yeah, I don't know. He's interesting. He's an interesting character. <laughs> He's rude to everyone else, but he was really nice to me. And so it's made me weird. It's made me odd where I observe him just being a total asshole to people, but not me. It's like like Um, his glimmer of hope, you know, and he put all the love into me. And at least that's how it feels. Um, Oh, well, I've got brothers and sisters, so they got a bit too. Um, (laughs) I was going to ask, are you an only child? (laughs) Well, I kind of feel like an only child because I'm uh, like 11 years younger. Oh, wow. And it's weird because they're all regular sized humans and I'm the six foot. Five oh, really? giantish type person. You know, it's hard to wow. tell from all of this stuff, but there's a definitely, and it, they call me their big little brother, you know, and it's, a, <laughs> it's created something. But um, you, that's cool. Yeah, it's cool. It's a, it's a journey. I like, I like that. I'm going to use that a little bit, especially being the younger brother. Um, you talked a little bit about your career in film and television, you know, that type of stuff. And that was a little bit interesting for me because. You know, one of the things I observe, like we all do, is what's real and what's fake. And Mm. everyone's trying to say, this is real, this is fake. But there's plenty of things that are fake, but they act as if they're real. Like the news, Mm -hmm. for example, is real-ish, I guess, if you uh, would be looking at a report of the most optimistic lens, right? That they're trying hard to give us information. Mm. Yet everything's pre-written and everything Mm -hmm. when someone... So when Simon and who writes it? That's right. That's right. That's Mm -hmm. right. And you and I, one person. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. And (laughs) yet it's read to the audience, like people are listening and watching us right now, as if it's the same, but it's not. Mm -hmm. And it's a magic trick again, where just like uh, I think we've forgotten that everything at these press conferences um, through the government stuff, it's all written as well. 
probably by teams and spell check mm-hmm. and Grammarly, but there's kind of no winging it. And maybe we've decided that that's part of the problem. However, I think there's a problem too, where it's all too crisp and too clever for its own good, you know? And I mm. just wanted to know, if, do, you, do you think that's kind of, um, is that something you observed in that industry about what's the real version of you versus the one that has to be the character, you know? And I've got a follow-up question after that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I started I started kind of modeling and acting when I was two years old and, wow. you know, um, when I was a kid, I saw it as an escape. I saw it as a, a chance to be someone else, mm. and and I loved that aspect. and And it was all fun and games um, to me. And and then, yeah, and then kind of in my teens, I I wanted to get on the other side, and I that's kind of where my really really big fascination for people and how what made them tick and how were they built and why did they do the things that they did Mm. started, you know, when I was um, 17, 18, 17, I left school at the end of sixth form and I, um, I worked in one of the, well, back then it was the only and the biggest um, talent agency in New Zealand. And I was cast coordinator for Shortland street, you know, the biggest show at that time. And I was, putting you know between 50 and 300 people in the background as you know different extras and stuff um per week um and yeah this this that kind of want to to get onto the other side of the camera and and watch or create you know stories or be part of stories that that um could tell us more about what we understood ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome awesome because um, those are things, you know, we don't, I mean, obviously we see the credits at the end of TV shows and movies and they're furiously long, but no one thinks they're things, you know, like it's just, uh, yeah, yeah, they were the movie, you know, and, or they were the TV show and that's that, but it's not, it's this, You know, like, that's why I think it's not so weird to have a spiritual conversation because those things are all surrogates, in my opinion. You know, there are all these (laughs) substitutes for getting together and summoning whatever it is, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, when I, um, you know, working on film sets, you know, the the magic that is there, Mm. when you're in a crew working on film or TV, you work such long hours right you're there sometimes 16 hours a day and for weeks on end and so the people that you work with they become your family like within three days because after three days of working 16 hours a day you've reached your you've reached your peak of stress you've come down from your peak of stress you've had a breakdown <laughs> and all of these people around you that you work with have seen that and so they understand your weaknesses and your strengths and they understand where you need support a little bit more they understand what words they shouldn't probably use around you you know um, and it's the same with events, you know, especially in in, um, in festivals. It's it's really long graft work. It's hard labor, you know. And your your team members are your family. And when you leave that film or or leave that you know festival, there's 
there's a you know post event blues yeah and you get you know you get this really um kind of sinking into a depressive state because mm. it's the grief of losing that really tight connected unit that's learned really how to work like a, a well-oiled machine understands everybody's kind of nuances and how they like this particular thing done how they like that thing done um but yeah you know it's creating it's for a you're all working towards the same outcome you're working towards a bigger purpose than just your department or just your role yeah well and, and that kind of keeps you all together and weirdly, that outcome is, if it's a festival, it's for people to not know that there's this coordination happening, you know, yeah. for them to seamlessly stay transcended in the moment. And Yes, and for them with, to feel free and be yes. able to find themselves in this, you know, beautiful it's environment. It's so odd because <laughs> they will never know. And yeah, they only you're right. Know, a little bit like a film, you, you notice the bits where you're, the bad cut or the acting isn't so good. And that's what I'm, yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it? That there's these whole industries. Well, there's a lot that, yeah, there's a same with festivals, you know, you don't, you, unless you're a, a, um, in lighting or unless you're in visual effects, you don't notice that actually someone's programmed it a little bit off, mm. you know, to the, to the beat or to that, mm. you know, um, <laughs> and nobody will notice it apart from the boys in the in the control room, the men in the control room, you know, or or in the the little, uh, you know, the, uh, going the, fuck, fuck, yeah. fuck. <laughs> I can't believe it, you know. <laughs> My not God, now, not now. Yeah. Oh. yeah, or even DJs, you know, they yeah. they they know they know when they've yeah missed it's like it. Or it's like there's two streams of service we're trying to do, isn't there? There's the the active one and the passive one, a little bit like, you know, these parasympathetic nervous system and sympathetic, mm. it's the opposite and equals. And I just start seeing it everywhere, you know, that for you to have a transcendent experience, there's the opposite experience trying to provide that. And mm -hmm. that seems polarities, to be, right? Yeah. And, and I think it's really cool actually that, well, cool is probably the wrong word. I think it's really an amazing gift that now the work you do, you can bring that in, you know, that if, if, you, if you take the same terminology and stuff we're talking about, people will arrive where they need to and you kind of help them there without them noticing. Yes. Well, that is the magic of it. Mm. And that's what we, you know, um, that's what we, that's what we aim to do is, is not, not tell people what to do, mm. but provide a really safe environment for them to kind of come to the conclusions themselves just by giving some more like knowledge and education and, and experience. You know, this is what worked for me. I did this and next person, you know, might say, oh, I did this. And, you know, with these skills that we teach, they, you know, the, we start every session with karakia mm. and a meditation. That meditation mm. might be breath work. It might be tapping. It might be body scanning um, and all of, you know, all of those things are really amazing skills that they can take whichever one works for them. We do hypnotherapy, we do positive psych psychotherapy, positive psychology. Um, there's tons of stuff in there. Dialectical behavioral therapy, for example, is about, um, so that was developed by Marsha Lynham and she had, um, you know, sexual childhood sexual abuse and she 
did cognitive behavioral therapy for years and then she went to um, psych school, got a psychology degree and still she had this bit, you know, this piece of her that just wasn't feeling um, transformative mm. or what that wasn't available for her. So she, um, it's one of the cowboy therapies actually dialectical behavioral therapy because she comes from a lived experience right <laughs> and which is um you know one of um the things that's kind of a you know a friction I guess in in today's society or what we're kind of moving through right now is mm. how much um is a qualification that that is lived experience you know it's that kind of argument doctor peer type mm. friction but she um yeah she developed dialectical behavioral therapy which is 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 about understanding that there's a black and a white and then there's 50,000 shades of gray in between mm. and how our perception wants to jump from black or white right wants to understand either way that person's bad that person's good but for for someone that has been abused as a child there's a an extensive amount of boundaries that have been crossed and and that actually um, psychologically impacts the brain as it actually um, you know in a neuroscience kind of perspective it actually damages the brain cells so there's when you grow up you, you actually there's extra learning and extra practice required to understand what boundaries are and and perspectives you know if somebody does this it means this but it may not mean that and we shouldn't assume that all we can assume is what's happened in the moment mm -hmm. and then we just look at how we feel about that and where that comes from you know is this familiar to a to a, you know like I said in the post is it familiar to an experience that we've had earlier mm -hmm. um but yeah Marsha Lynham's she'd a bomb she'd a bomb <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's awesome. Um, well, look, we're just reaching the hour and I want to be respectful to hopefully invite you back on to have more chats because awesome. uh, Love to. I've just enjoyed, um, you know, I guess going on a bit of a voyage and us having a mutual conversation. That's the only goal I really set and I'm pretty surprised that it works time and time again, <laughs> but I shouldn't be by now, but I am because, you know, we're always just expecting well, we're kind of conditioned to expect the worst in some ways, and I'm very surprised that if I be, you know, open to it, work out it most of the time does. And even the internet connection, you know, it's weird that we can even do it via this connection. That's that's how powerful it is, eh? It even works. Yeah. When yeah. we're not even together. Um, but hey, Tamara, where can people check out the work you do, um, and engage with you and follow you? Yeah, uh, so Instagram, you can go Tamara underscore war or you can pronounce it wow if you like because some mm -hmm. people do and that's completely fine with me. Awesome. Um, NZ Empower Me is our, is our um, work one and we've got Facebook page, Instagram page. Um, website is nzempowerme.com. So all of the details, it has kind of a breakdown on what we um, do in each session. Um, so the topics that we cover and the concepts that we are and the foundational, you know, foundational approach that we use. So, yep, go check it out. We are building an e-learning platform over the next sort of three to four months. So okay. everything's going to move and be updated. So we're kind of in that, you know, 
just using what we've got right now until we jump up. <laughs> but yeah, welcome to come and have a look. Awesome. Well, thanks for chatting with me. It was uh, good fun. Yeah, thank you. It's been really <laughs> enjoyable. Holding my head again, making my way through crowded thoughts. Sometimes it's hard to get out of it. Broke my heart in the dark. I was just trying to feel something, falling asleep to the sound of it. Always used to let you clean up the messes Down on my knees, thought I couldn't stand up on my own Turns out sometimes you're stronger alone Bringing out the fight, yeah, bring on all the lightning Cause I'm looking for a hero, look inside the mirror I find one, oh it's too hard, pick it up, dust it off When I fall down 11, I get up 12 Don't need nobody else Yeah, I can save myself Got burned, but I learned Our scars make us who we are Now I'm ten feet tall over my demons Remind me no one's got me like myself yeah, I love me without any help I'm the best thing to believe in So I'm bringing out the fight, yeah Bring on all the lightning Cause I'm looking for a hero Look inside the mirror I find one, oh Carry the hurt when it gets too hard Pick it up, dust it off When I fall down a But I got a million reasons why I won't Cause this heavy is a season And the sun is always right behind the storm